Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. It is kind of wet and cold and gross outside here in the DMV, but we'll be in San Diego in just a few short hours covering the winter meetings, and the hot stove is already starting to heat up, Paul. Welcome to the Mass on Alexis podcast, everybody. You are watching live right now, probably on the Mass and National's Twitter account, Mass on Alexis Facebook page. We thank you for joining us. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano, of course, the Mass on Alexis podcast brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. Paul, over the last, I feel like, maybe 12, 36 hours, 24 hours, a couple of news, couple of news information coming out. Two of the high-profile free agents, not just for the Nationals, but all of baseball, uh, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg, making some splashes. We're hearing some rumors of them uh, meeting with teams already, and the winter meetings are still five days away. Yeah, stuff is actually happening. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh? That's that neat. Uh, did not happen last year and has kind of been a growing trend over the last several years. Stuff has been slow to happen in free agency um, in the past several years. Part of it is uh, the Scott Boris factor, the fact that he loves to wait for uh, deals to take shape. But finally, now we're getting some stuff. We're getting somewhere, especially now with the two big-time Nationals free agents. We're starting to hear some stuff, at least I don't know what it'll lead to, uh, you know, if, if deals will happen over the next couple of weeks, but at least we're hearing things. It was all quiet for pretty much the entire month of November. Yeah, and we've already talked about how this market seems to be faster than last year's and, and, and the past couple of years. Uh, the Braves obviously making some splashes in their bullpen. They just we just saw reports that they're signing Cole Hamels to a one year eighteen million dollar deal. Yeah, uh, other teams are seem to be moving faster than we have seen in the past. So that's always good for us, you know, for <laughs> our job because that gives us something to talk about, you know, through the end of the calendar year, not just leading up to spring training because no one has signed. Yeah, um, and starting with Anthony Rendon, he seems like the kind of guy that probably wants to get this done faster rather than later, sooner rather than yeah. later. You know, he's not a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado type that we saw last year where they're going to wait and try to get the absolute best contract they can possibly get. Anthony probably wants the attention off him, move along, um, let's get this over with so uh, I can stop hearing my name being talked about all the time. Yeah, but on the other side, you have an agent there that is... True. <laughs> you know, for both these guys, in, in Scott Boris that likes to wait, I, I mean... He was a big factor in why Bryce Harper took until February last year. Mm-hmm. Big reason why Dallas Keuchel didn't sign until midseason last year. So he like he is especially, especially patient with these deals. Um, and you wonder how much back and forth there is between player and agent in this case. Um, there was a poll, I think, on ESPN.com. They polled uh, executives around baseball that Anthony Rendon would be the first major piece to go off the board. Yeah. Um, so I, I think personality-wise, that seems to make sense. Yeah. It's funny, though, because we seem to think, especially as the season, days after the World Series, when Steven Strasburg opted out of the remaining years on his contract, we thought there was a potential that they could get a deal done with the Nationals within a matter of, Days. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was not a foregone conclusion conclusion that he would uh, return to the Nationals, but it seemed like highly likely. And it didn't seem that he was going to go out there and, you know, dip. He was going to dip his toe maybe in free agency, but not the whole foot. But now he is submerged fully. He's past the waistline. <laughs> He's uh, waiting. Yeah. So it would be kind of, I, I, I would say, surprising if Rendon 
signs a deal before Strasburg. Yeah, but also both of them, I mean, they've earned this right, and this was kind of the topic of Mark Zuckerman's piece on MathInSports.com this morning. It's like, everyone's kind of up in a panic that Rendon has already met with the Rangers, the Dodgers, um, Strasburg is supposedly meeting with the Yankees today. Okay, yeah, obviously. I mean, they're both high-profile free agents. Free agents being the key words there, the key phrase there. They've earned this right. Steven Strasburg is the reigning World Series MVP. He's not going to not hear from teams. You know, they're going to he's going to get a lot of interest. Same with Anthony Rendon. He had a career year, finished top 3 in the National League MVP voting. He's going to get interest and in, in, from a lot of teams in, in IE the Rangers in Texas, you know, everyone knows he's a Texas hometown hometown guy. Um and he doesn't like yeah. the attention. And Texas, you know, they're kind of in a rebuild. They have money to spend. They have a brand new ballpark coming in 2020 that they know they need a new big name to kind of sell so people will come out. Um, he is like the ideal fit for them. And, of course, the Dodgers obviously falling short of really lofty expectations the past three seasons. They're looking to get their first World Series championship in, I think it's like 35 years. And then, of course, for Strasburg, the Yankees, they didn't make a World Series this past decade. They're entering the 2020s now. Um, looking to get over that hump and get back to to the fall classic and win a, a storied franchise, obviously that only accepts winning um, in World Series championships. So they need rotation help, but obviously mean with Garrett Cole as well. Both Strasburg and Rendon has have earned this right. They've earned the right to hear from all these teams and and hear what they have to offer and, and deserve to test these waters. It wasn't going to be oh the World Series is over, free agency opens, just come right back and we're going to resign right now. And Bobby, you were at the Nationals documentary screening the other night mm-hmm. when Ryan Zimmerman met with with reporters and said, "I'm either going to return to the Nationals or I'm going to play some more golf." Yeah. Essentially, meaning he's going to retire. So. He, he is the anomaly, though. Right. The, uh, Ryan Zimmerman is, is not the norm, especially uh, when it comes to these big-time free agents. I mean, they, they absolutely have the right to check it out. And you can't, <laughs> if you're doing good business and, and, you know, looking out for yourself and your family, it just makes the most sense to see what's out there. And yeah. you can't, you know, uh, pretend that you have their, you know, there's interest in you. Steven Strasburg it makes the most sense for him to at least meet with teams, at least see what they have to offer so that he can bring that number back to the Nationals and say, here's what I got on the open market. Can you match or do better? Um, you know, it, it, otherwise, they might call your bluff, you know, right. and say, all right, well, who have you met with? But, I mean, and these, when you think about it, these are really two of the top three guys in, in free agency right now. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, it is, it is, no matter how you stack them, it is Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon, and then a wide gap, and then the next biggest free agent. Well, yeah, and you, that, those, that ranking, if you want to rank those top three, it changes based on team and based on need. Exactly. You know, like the, the, the uh, Yankees are going to profile Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg higher than Rendon because their infield's pretty much set. I mean, they could theoretically go after Rendon, but they definitely need starting pitching. Yeah. You know, vice versa for the Rangers, they need a, just an all-star you know, player that can they can promote and and, uh, and at a valuable position like third base. Rendon's probably the top of their list, and for the Dodgers, it's just you know they've got a they probably have a different definition of holes to fill than you know normal teams do because their team's so stacked. But they're trying to figure out the right pieces you know to get over the hump, like we talked about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those those top three guys are definitely a top three. How you arrange them is based on team to team and and situational. Um, but yeah, they're gonna hear from people. They deserve this right. I, I don't understand. What, I, I think it's just, you know, I'm nervous, you know, taking my reporter hat off and putting my fan hat on. I'm just nervous, you know, because obviously 
the more they talk to other teams, the like the more likelihood they leave. Um, I, I do think it's interesting um, the report that uh, Rendon possibly could be looking for a shorter term deal and a higher annual value because and then that he could just retire after that we know he thinks baseball is boring and doesn't really enjoy it and hey, he, he won. said during the parade bobby and he he did like baseball i like baseball i like baseball and he's won his world series now you know let's i want to play he's at he's what 31 30 i want to play for another four or five solid years and just kind of hang it up and, and earn my money now so I can set my family up for the future. Yeah. And, and maybe he's still playing well at the end of that contract. That doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that his, his best years would likely be behind him. But that doesn't mean that there wouldn't be some left in the tank. He might be able to sign another deal later on. But it would definitely take out some of the security that we saw Bryce Harper lock into last year with his deal with the Phillies. Just saying, just give me as many years as humanly possible right. to stay here. And as much money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but th- you mentioned that you know, different teams have different needs. Free agency gets bonkers. Yeah. And teams end up half the time bidding against themselves. I mean, the, the reports that we've seen about Zach Wheeler, and who knows, by the time we finish this podcast, he could have signed, because apparently he's going to sign in the next couple days, that he's, he's looking for... He, he, teams have already made offers exceeding $100 million in five years. Zach Wheeler? Yeah. Are we seeing the same guy? He's not Patrick Corbin. He's not an ace of a staff. He's maybe a, a, a good number two on any staff but remember he i mean it was a loaded mets rotation last year um but he's the he was the number three on that <laughs> in that rotation so yeah. um some teams end up getting crazy and so for and desperate and desperate so for these teams to uh for for strasburg and rendon just to see what's out there to see is is a team gonna make me a crazy offer are the yankees that desperate that you know, if if Garrett Cole signs on the West Coast with the team on the West Coast, are they just going to throw all of their money at me? So you you have to check out uh, exactly what's out there. Um, but in terms of Rendon and what he's looking for, um, that price range, that year and price range, interestingly, I think kind of fits into what the Dodgers' mo is because mm-hmm. they tend to not spend too much on free agents past five years or five or six years. Um, you know, that was partly what took them out of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes last year is yeah. that they were only willing to go seven, eight years max um, for a guy of that caliber. For Rendon, if he's only looking for five or six years, that might kind of fit into what they're looking for. They could move Justin Turner. Apparently, he's open to moving off of third base. Going to first, yeah. Max Muncie might be able to or might have to do the same thing for them. Um, and this team is, you know, it, they might be feeling the heat a little bit in L.A., considering that this is a team that now has made the playoffs how many straight years and has not been able to get over the hump, and last year was the most depressing of all of that. So how how important and, and what kind of message would that send if the guy that essentially, I mean, Howie Kendrick essentially eliminated them, yeah. but he... he Rendon hitting that uh, uh, game, or I guess he put them within run run. Right. The, the first of three yes. consecutive home, well, not consecutive, but three home runs that knocked them out of the The playoffs. guy that helped eliminate them, right. you know, they bring in, um, that, that's kind of like a Yankees type move. Too. Can't beat him, join him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I could see that he might be playing into their hand right there. Right. But also, like along those lines, if, if Rendon is looking for a shorter term deal and just higher annual value, like you said, it's completely different than Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper wanted as many years for as many dollars as he could possibly we get Rendon might be looking for a shorter term as many dollars if yeah. possibly if that's the case it makes it harder for me as a nat for or hard for me to accept the nationals just letting him walk because it's like all right then you're going to be paying top dollar 
which is fair for one of the best players in baseball for the prime, his prime years. You know, if you can, if he just wants three or four years, you know, like you mentioned the, um, uh, the deal that was reported by the Washington Post at the end of the season that the Nats offered him seven years around 210, 215 million with about a hundred million deferred. If you average, if you shorten that, that same price tag and over three or four years, that might give Anthony Rendon the annual value he's looking for. And then you get the bulk of his prime years. And then they can let, he can either retire. You just let him walk and sign somewhere else. Then that to me is way more harder to let go. Like if you just let him walk right now, um, if, if that's the kind of deal he's looking for. The the key there, though, I think, is the $100 million deferred. It, yeah, it, well, you're going to have to get rid of the deferred. Yeah, because there was a... If you're report, shorting it, get rid of the deferred. There was a report uh, earlier this week that he that's kind of what turned him off. And I think that's partly what turned Bryce Harper off. Definitely. Uh, well, we know that. Yeah. We definitely did. Yeah, um, considering it, we, you know, it is $100 million deferred that, according to the report from the Washington Post... Uh, of that offer. We don't know if that offer has changed. It's been two months since that offer was reportedly made. Right. Um, but the other question is not just how much is deferred, but for how long? Because the Bryce Harper reported deal that uh, they were offering him at the end of the 2018 season would have paid him, I think he said, until you know his mid-60s. I mean, they, if they want to, to re-sign this guy, um, it, it, pretty much dependent on, you know, it, it, regardless of how many years... The deferred money is going to be absolutely key, I think, for Rendon. The question is whether they're willing to kind of bite the bullet there and, yeah. whether, and whether they have it, especially if maybe Strasburg is sitting there making the same request. We yeah. don't know. And the other positive, I mean, I guess a positive thing that Nats fans can take away from these meetings is I know uh, everyone's kind of freaking out that they're meeting with other teams. This could help set the market for these guys. And we, even the Cole Hamels today, the $1 million, $18 million, that was basically the qualifying offer. You know, I think it was uh, Ken Rosenthal saying that that doesn't even that doesn't mean that they're completely out. The Braves, I mean, uh, I don't know, Mass and Bumgarner, but it helps kind of set the market for him. Kind of the same thing with just by them meeting other teams, they can kind of figure out how much what they're looking for and bring that back, like you said, to the Nationals um, and say, all right, here's what the Yankees said, here's what the Rangers said, whatever. Um, that could help them more set the market and then you can go from there it's like all right well if you're looking for something like that then maybe we could do this you yeah. know it, it kind of helps build the process along you know in a strange way you might almost want the nationals to be i mean excuse me uh rendon and strasburg to be talking to other teams because that way you kind of figure out what other teams are looking or what maybe even what the players themselves are looking to get um and then you can work out a deal from there because you know obviously you just throw, throw down a deal right now. They're not going to just accept that because yeah. they want to go test the waters. All right, then what are you actually looking for and what's realistic? Um, and what is other, what other, how do other teams value you and what, how far are they going to go? Maybe we can find some middle ground there. And, and I don't think any of these meetings at this stage on December, or what, 4th, I don't think any of these meetings are the type of we're not letting him leave the room type meetings. They are going to, you know, it, it, it might get done soon. These deals might get done sooner rather than later just based on the personalities. But they're not going to get done in the next couple hours. I mean, who knows? Right. The cold takes exposed. If I'm not, uh, if I'm wrong on that, but it, it, they are, uh, it, especially Strasburg. You just get the feeling that he's going to at least give the Nationals a final say. You know, a final. It, he might check in with them right before he, you know, does it makes any decision. So um, you just kind of get that feeling that they're going to, they're giving the Nats plenty of opportunity. And the and the other thing is I. Nationals fans slightly freaking out about the fact that uh, Mike Rizzo said, you know, we don't have plans to meet with these guys. They've been meeting with them 
throughout <laughs> their careers. They've been yeah. meeting with Scott Boris. They've been meeting with Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon. They made that offer reportedly at the end of the season for Rendon. So Mike Rizzo saying that, you know, we don't have plans to meet with Anthony Rendon or Steven Strasburg does not at all mean we don't have contact with these guys. They might get a deal done without meeting them because they know who they are. The, yeah. the, the reason Steven Strasburg has to meet with, in person with the Yankees or Anthony Rendon has to meet in person with the Dodgers and Rangers is he has to decide, is this a team I want to spend my, the rest of my career with potentially? Yeah. Is this the team I want to be? Is this the, the city I want to be in for the next five years, however many years? They know what D.C. is like. They know the ownership. They know Mike Rizzo. They could get a deal done over the phone in theory. You know, they don't need to meet in person just to exchange a number. So it, it, it doesn't, that doesn't need to be a freak-out moment, I don't think, for fans to, to worry about them not meeting in person. Certainly not, and this is the process. This is how it goes. Um, yeah. The other report that I saw came out late last night. I'm not exactly even sure where I saw it, but that Mike Rizzo has maybe set like a soft deadline of where he wants to hear from Anthony Rendon. That maybe draws some concern, but that could also just be like falling over from last season being like with the Bryce Harper thing I get two different scenarios but still how it just dragged on so much yeah, and that was Jason li- Stark by the way that Jason was. Stark uh just lingered and lingered so it's like all right we can go through this process again we need to get moving I, we even saw last year deep, despite the Bryce Harper thing you know Mike Rosa went out and got Patrick Corbin we expect him to still be active and not you know he loves saying you know we've got our line in many different ponds or whatever the saying he says all the time that goes that uh, we know where our heart is, right? So you know <laughs> it's in your they're chest, looking, Mike. they're looking all over the place, and and they're not just solely focusing on these two guys, you know. And we're going to talk in a little bit that they have some other holes to fill yeah. in the infield, um, but you know, giving uh, again, I didn't fully go dive deep into the report, but giving Anthony Rendon a deadline seems like a not the smartest idea. I feel like he that might be something that really turns him off. Even though he's like I said, he's a guy. It seems like he wants to get it done sooner than past possible. Telling him like I need your answer by this date, he might be like, well, no, because I'm gonna do it my own way and right. stuff like that. So that was interesting, and, and also the reports that a lot of these national reporters and writers expect some of these guys to sign by the winter meetings, if not by the end of the winter meetings. Yeah, is, is also kind of. Interesting because it's going to make next week super intense and and, and drama filled if if they all kind of start piling upon each other. And that Jason Stark report might just be, like you said, a soft deadline as opposed to a hard one. It might be we're not making any further different offers past this date, you know. But if you want to come back to that same offer, it'll be on the table. Mm -hmm. But maybe we're just not going to re-engage in terms of changing that offer. So we don't exactly know that. But who knows? That that kind of deal could knowing Rendon, this could be something that we're talking about in winter meetings getting done or even uh, before that. Who knows? Potentially. But um, I do think if there is one guy who is going, one superstar who is going to sign on the earlier side, it is probably Anthony Rendon, but also Steven Strasburg in that category. I think think they might both sign before Garrett Cole does. Yeah, that's a good idea. Because... I think he's looking for his next big contract. I don't know if Steven, Steven Strasburg is probably looking for, yes, big contract, but not as many years. Cole's yeah. probably looking for like a seven-year type deal. Strasburg's probably looking for a four or five, like we've talked about. Well, and remember the Yankees met with Garrett Cole yesterday, mm-hmm. Strasburg today. I think that's the order of their priority, right. too. I yeah, think yeah. that they are have their key, from everything we've heard, they are locked in pretty much on Garrett Cole as one and Steven Strasburg as two. So yeah. if 
you know, if Cole um, signs first, then that could, you know, start the dominoes of Strasburg goes back to D.C. But if Cole drags this out, you know, they, the Yankees might be trying to string Strasburg along just in case Cole leaves. Yeah. There's a, any number of dominoes. That yeah, and, and they need a, a front-line number one starter badly. And th- yeah. that's what they're obviously prioritizing. They're done with the Michael Pinedas. Obviously, CeCe Sabathia retiring. Um Masahiro Tanaka, yeah, J-Hab. Tanaka has been serviceable, but he has proven not to be like the frontline guy. So that's definitely their priority, and that's what they see in Cole as a long-term solution. Strasburg, mid-term solution. You know, like okay, you can get a couple of really good years out of him, but you can get the rest of Cole's career, yeah, um, if you want. Oh, absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that was fun. Uh, let's move on. Um, last week on the podcast, we talked about. Um, some holes that the Nationals could fill in third base and uh, obviously with Anthony Rendon and the bullpen, uh, which is, of course, a yearly conversation. Today we're going to shift our focus to the other side of the infield, uh, first base and second base, um, with obviously the expected departures of Howie Kendrick, probably moving to an American League team, excuse me, to play uh, the DH slot, just too old. Um, You know, you mentioned Ryan Zimmerman the other night at the documentary premiere at the anthem saying, um, I'm going to play be a national or I'm going to play golf. So that's a position. So we're probably going to be looking more as a backup or a platoon type first baseman for the nationals. Um, but let's start at second base because that's going to be, you know, they're probably going to be looking for a bona fide starter at second base. Obviously, this is also dependent on how Carter Keeboom progresses throughout the offseason and into spring training and into the next season. Um, but they're going to need probably a kind of a Brian Dozier type like they got this past season to fill that spot until Keeboom is ready. Exactly. I, I don't know if it's going to be second base or third base. Right. And that's I also think, dependent on the Anthony yeah. Rendon decision. But I think that they will spend they will spend a lot of money on one infielder, whether yeah. it be second base or third base, because, you know, if, if spend t- they could spend a ton of money to re-sign Rendon, say, all right, let's go cheap on second base. We'll have Carter Keeboom waiting in the wings. They could... If, if Rendon walks, they could spend a lot for a second baseman, mm-hmm. have Carter Keeboom waiting in the wings on third base. So I think that they're going to make one major infield acquisition for high uh, dollars, whether it be second base or third base. So, you know, all these guys at this point, while we're waiting for the chips to fall, are on the table. Um, let's start with uh, Eric Sogard, 34 years old. Uh, 2019 split time between the Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays hit 290 with 13 homers and 40 RBIs. It was a career year for him. He has never, he had never hit more than three homers in a season until last year. So a breakout season for him uh, at 34 years old, yeah. it does not seem terribly likely that that's going to continue in 2020. Well, you're going to get a 34-year-old to replace a 37-year-old. I mean, that's that's not ideal. Yeah. I, I think in my scenario, again, like you said, if they're if if we're talking about a long-term solution, Eric Sergard would not be that because he's on the latter end of his career. Yeah. Um, good for him for having a career year at the age of 34. Um, was able to move around in the the American League East. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know the only value he might have is that he plays literally all over the field. He can play. He's played short and third now. I guess outfield as well throughout his career. Um, but if if you're looking for, unless this is a plug and play, you know, yeah. like a for a one year off deal, maybe, maybe. Um, but. To me, that doesn't really tickle my fancy. Yeah, and the other thing is, with a lot of these names, before we get too far into them, is, you know, how many of these guys are upgrades over Brian Dozier? Because 
the the production might not have been quite what they expected from Dozier, but uh-huh. he was solid for what they needed for one year. Um, you know, it might not have been worth nine million dollars, but you know, he helped get them through the regular season. wasn't terribly uh, important in the playoffs. Didn't factor in there, but you know, if they're looking, if they're just looking for a stopgap, odds are I think that they they would rather bring back a Brian Dozier, who obviously fan favorite, um, very well liked in the clubhouse. Um, rather than bring in somebody else from the outside who might be a stopgap type player, right? I mean, we're not going to go through Brian Dozier stuff because everyone should know about Brian Dozier. Yeah, and we talked about him. Yeah, a and this of this is a this is uh, he is definitely still available. We're not saying he's definitely gone. Yeah, these are just other people that are out there that could fill that second base. Exactly. All right, moving on to a name that people might recognize him in this area. Jonathan Scope obviously had really good seasons with Baltimore, especially 2017. He was the one of the most valuable Orioles that season and his only all-star season. Then uh, got uh, traded uh, to, where do you end up going? The Brewers. The Brewers, correct. Mm-hmm. And then basically didn't do anything the rest of the season. Uh, didn't even start, play much in the postseason. That was the year they went seven uh, against the Dodgers in the NLCS. Uh, and then signed with the, um, the Twins last offseason. Non-tendered by the Brewers. Non-tendered, you're right. And then not really productive. I mean... He was a middle of the pack, I suppose. I mean, everyone hit home runs on the, on the Twins this season, it seemed. He had 23 bombs, 59 RBIs. But uh, we've seen Jonathan Scope be better. Maybe this is just him now. Maybe in 17 was, a, was an offset. But what, what attracts me is he's 28. Yeah, exactly. He's the youngest on this list, I believe, that by we're going to talk about. Far by far. By at least a couple by, of years. By a couple of years, yeah. Um, Omar Flores is also 28. Yeah, this is not a terribly deep group of free agent second basemen. So uh, he is one of the cream, part of the cream of the crop here, surprisingly. And the other thing that we're going to talk about with all these guys is their versatility defensively. Yeah. Because uh, Howie Kendrick could play several different positions last year. Maybe not at a high level. But they could use him at, at shortstop in an emergency, in the outfield if need be, at third, at first, at second. Pretty much wherever he was needed, uh, he was used. So I think they're going to tend to go for another guy who has that kind of versatility. If they're going to look for a stopgap, whether it be third or second, I think it's going to be somebody who can play pretty much all over the diamond mm-hmm. just in case a Trey Turner has to miss time or if, you know, anybody. Whoever's playing third. Whoever, yeah, right. exactly. Of course, Zimmerman. So... Uh, Scope, in terms of his defensive versatility, he's played uh, second base and, uh, sorry, shortstop and third base, a combined just 39 games in his career as opposed to 761 at second base. So he is a second baseman. Yeah. You know, if he were to be signed, he would be signed as a second baseman, which is different from some of the other guys on this list. So the only, you know, while he does have the youth, he doesn't quite have that versatility that they might be looking for. And what I will say, though, he has an arm that could play on the other side of the diamond. That's why they, the Orioles, Buck Showalter, the couple of seasons, did have to throw him over there. I mean, he has a cannon at second base, and he could that plays at third, maybe short, too, the distance he has to throw across the diamond. Um, but, yeah, he's the youngest, but probably the less versatile, on, the least versatile on this list. Um, but... I think that's just the way baseball is going nowadays. I mean, it started with the I mean, not maybe not started, but like I think I think about the Cubs that that 2016 team. You know, Chris Bryant playing all over the field, Ben Zobris playing all over the field. You know, just finding really talented guys who can play multiple positions and use them in the scenarios that best fit your team's needs. Um, and, and Jonathan Scope just doesn't really provide that because he only plays really a second. He's really second baseman. Exactly. Well, this not, this next guy might provide a little bit of that. Starling Castro. He's now 30 years old. Of course, probably most remembered for his days with the New York Yankees. Four-time All-Star, 2011, 12, 14, and 17. 
Uh, spent, of course, the last few seasons down in Miami after he was dealt there. Hit 270 with 22 homers last year and 86 RBIs. Career highs in terms of his power numbers uh, with the Marlins last year. So Castro originally came up as a shortstop. Uh, was, wasn't was moved in, to second base until 2016. Uh, and he's also played 45 career games at third base. If they have a need... I could see Starling Castro being uh, kind of a guy that that has some interest on the market and from the Nationals in particular. Yeah, because this is a guy who has a really good track record. He might have one of the best track records of the guy. I mean, playing for the Yankees helps, but yeah. that, we're going to talk to you. I mean, four-time All-Star um, and, and coming off a career-high season in terms of home runs and RBIs uh, for a second baseman who never really showed that kind of power when he was with the Yankees. Um, yeah, this is an appealing guy, especially if you're – He's not a full like long term solution, but he could definitely you know maybe do a, a year and a, a second an option for a second or something like that because he's still only thirty. He's coming off a solid season. Um, obviously, playing with the Marlins, you know he maybe one of their best players. Marlins are not not, not great, um, but yeah, it's something that probably catches the the Nationals' attention if if it comes to that where they need all right. We just need a guy that's serviceable, if not a little bit above serviceable at second base. Yeah, I think he is at this point. He's kind of in that middle ground where he's not a superstar like Anthony Rendon, but I think he's better than a lot of the other names on this list. And I was surprised to see he's 30. I feel like he's right. been around I, I was going to say, he's also in the middle ground where he's not old, but he's also not that young. Yeah. So he still have a couple of solid seasons left in him, I'm sure. And I feel like back when he was with the Yankees, we kept hearing about... I, I, I kept thinking he was going to break out and become a perennial all-star, an mm. MVP candidate. It never quite happened. And then, of course... Anytime you go down to the Marlins, you just kind of drop off everybody's radar. So he just kind of disappeared in terms of our public consciousness. But right, right. Um, I still think that he is, uh, even though he is in that middle ground, I think that he could get a pretty nice payday. I could see him getting something in the range of what Mike Moustakas just got um, yeah. with the Reds of maybe four, four years. years. How much? Maybe $40 million is mm-hmm. how much he got about. about. So um, something in that range. All right, next up, Brock Holt. Left-handed hitter, 32 years old. Bobby, tell me about him. Oh uh, yeah, left-handed hitter is obviously appealing, but he's yeah, people know him. He has played most of his career with Boston. Um, he's coming off an injury-plagued season. He missed 52 days due to an elbow injury, and he also had a scratch cornea. Just a weird season for Brock Holt. Yeah. But we do know he is a fan favorite. Uh, they loved him up in Boston. He's a clubhouse guy. Um, he can play versatile. Um, they have played, plugged him in the out corner outfield spots and across the infield. So he is really versatile in that sense. 32 years old, though. Um, but yeah, seven years in Boston. What, what, what really struck about me when doing my research about him was how much uh, you know, Boston reporters and fans really raved about how he's really, and we talk about plug and play, plug in party, I guess, or plug in, be friendly, be friends, because he fits really well in this club, in a clubhouse environment and became a fan favorite. And, and I, I know, uh, Boston fans are kind of upset to seeing him walk because they wanted him to stick around. And very different in terms of style-wise. If, if you want to go away from the Brian Dozier type, which is low average, high power, he's the opposite. High average, low power, only three home runs last year, obviously in limited ta- time, but has never been you know a tremendous power hitter. I, I think the Nats might be looking more for power from this spot as well. Yeah. I, think, I think up there with defensive versatility and power because they, they still have... Um, obviously Soto has the potential to hit who knows how many next year. His home run total could go up by year. It could go up to 40 yeah. in, in the next couple of years. Um, but beyond that, Robles is not a terribly uh, 
you know, great power hitter. Turner has never been a, a great power hitter. Zimmerman is not what he was. Uh, and if you lose Rendon, you could be needing to replace quite a lot of power. Their offense was great last year, but middle of the pack in terms of homers. Um, I wonder if that might turn them off about Brock Holt. Well, his uh, 297, uh, 369, 402 slash line would have been the best of his career had he not gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he so that tells me he still got some good swings left. When he did play, he was still able to swing the bat pretty well. Uh, yeah, the three homers isn't terrific. He didn't seem like to be too much of a homer kind of guy, but a guy that can give you solid at-bats. Um, yeah, I, 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 you talk about they're trying to get more power out of the uh, second base position. I just... that. Tells me that you know they might be looking at that tunnel vision where like we need to find the next Daniel Murphy. You know, get twenty twenty five po- bombs a, a year from the second base position. Exactly. All right. Next up, Jason Kipnis, a guy who has also been around a long time um, and has had quite a career at this point. He's a lefty. He's two time All Star twenty thirteen and twenty fifteen. He spent his entire season with the Indians nine years. Twenty nineteen hit two forty six with seventeen homers, sixty five RBIs in one hundred and twenty one games. Pretty much would be a second baseman. Um, a, another guy that has been one of the better, I, I, he's pretty much in that category with, uh, you know, very similar, I think, resume wise to what Brian Dozier was at this point last year, spent his entire year with or entire career with one team, mm-hmm. uh, has a little bit of pop, uh, very well liked by the, the fan base and where he's playing, playing in a Midwest city. I mean, it, it, it kind of looks like a very similar resume to what Brian Dozier and the same age pretty much as yeah. what as Brian Dozier at this point. I'm surprised point. to see only a two-time All-Star. I feel like every year we're seeing Jason Kipnis put yeah. up pretty solid numbers. And, you know, before the Indians got good, it felt like he was, like, their only bright spot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, uh, he's a very Brian Dozier-esque type player. Um, but you talked about how Jonathan, v- uh, not VR, Scopes, uh, lack of versatility. Yeah. Kind of the same thing with Kipnis. He pretty much exclusively plays second base. You can maybe pop him over at first in an emergency spot, but he is strictly a second baseman. You're not going to be able to move him around the diamond too much. Exactly. All right, next up, Wilmer Flores, another one of the younger guys, 28 years old. Um, 2019 with Arizona hit 317 with nine homers, 37 RBIs, but just 89 games. It was his first year with the D-backs. Of course, we remember him from uh, his days with the Mets. Yeah, yeah. long-time Mets guy. Uh, he is way ver- very versatile. They, the, the Diamondbacks played him I mean, only 89 games, but played him anywhere across the diamond whenever they needed. Um, he plays multiple positions, uh, but with that, he would miss a lot of time due to foot injury. How's that foot doing? Can you still be mobile and, and play second base where you really need to be able to slide back and forth? 28 years old, I would think so, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how he uh, reacts. But 30, 317, yeah. I mean, even though it's 89 games, hitting over above 300, yeah, pretty consistent, and and knocking nine home runs. I mean, that's not a lot of power, but considering the small sample size of games he plays, and he's not a really big dude. I mean, that that could that could maybe perk uh, um, Mike yeah. Rizzo's eyebrow up a little bit. Yeah, and uh, very well liked by the Mets fan base, of course. Yeah, the guy who was uh, almost traded during that game a couple years ago. Yes, uh, started crying, and then I think he wasn't traded, or yep. he ended up being traded. I don't know uh, the entire. No, Mets I, only, drama. I think he signed with the uh, Diamondbacks in the offseason, so I guess gotcha. he finished out with the Mets. Mets being Mets, Mets being Mets, indeed. Um, so another guy that could interest them potentially, Ben Zobrist, thirty-nine years old, three-time All Star. First All Star appearance was back in two thousand nine. Also All-Star in 2013 and 16. And, of course, biggest piece of his resume is that World Series MVP that he got. Um, he, in 2019, just 47 games, missed a lot of time. Hit 260 with one homer and 17 RBIs. 
Uh, 39 years old is pretty darn old. I think that the only real interest they would have in a Ben Zobrist would be if they re-sign Rendon to a mega deal, need somebody who can literally just play two months <laughs> until <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, until Carter Keboom is ready, and then they'll they'll throw him in there. They you know if they really need to go cheap for a short term uh, deal, Zobrist might fit that. 39 years old is just it. I mean. Kudos to him. Yeah. I mean, but and Howie Kendrick is the anomaly in this case. Yeah, <laughs> like how yeah. we saw what Howie did at 37. Yeah. That just does not happen. Right. But then he, he can't. I mean, like I, thought, I said earlier, you know, uh, Joe Madden played him everywhere and in in, all over the place. You know, he could play second, outfield, shortstop. You know, he's a kind of a plug and play guy. How, how, how many good innings does he have left? Probably very limited being at 39. But his, his resume is, is one of the tops out there because he's played for so long, and yeah. he has been so good for so long. And he has been used pretty much everywhere as well, a lot in the outfield. Uh, last year, you know, limited time, played 32 games at second, 17 in the outfield. But in his career, he's played 900, over 900 games at second, over 660 games in the outfield, and 236 games at shortstop. So I don't know if he's a shortstop anymore by any strategy. You know, that would be another emergency-type situation, yeah. like how they used Howie Kendrick last year. Um, but at least he has shown, You look, if, uh, you know, they still have Michael, Ta- Michael A. Taylor, um, who is headed to arbitration in the outfield, so they have a backup outfielder there. But they could need him to slot into any number of positions uh, if guys go down. Yeah. Last guy on the list, and this is the biggest question mark. If you talk about a 39-year-old, this guy is even bigger of a question mark. Scooter Jeanette, remember him with the uh, with the Reds? He had that crazy breakout year a couple years ago um, and then has just, I felt like, completely fallen off the face of the earth. Uh, left-handed hitter, that's a plus for him. The All-Star in, in 2018. But this past season was just a disaster for him. He started off the injured list, missed the first three months due to a groin injury, um, and then came back. They thought he kind of found his swing and then found some value in him, so we were able to trade him to the Giants for a player to be named later and some cash, but then only hit 234 with two home runs and six RBIs and struck out almost 30% of the time for the Giants. And uh, uh, I think he was non-tendered near the end of the season, or not non-tendered, but basically put on waivers at the end of the season. So he didn't f- even finish the season with the Giants. It's just a name, one of those names that you remember, oh, yeah, he had that one really good season, um, but it just hasn't been the same ever since. He really struggled this season. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to bounce back anywhere, but I would be very wary of taking a risk on Scooter Jeanette. Yeah, high ceiling, low floor type guy, I think, um, Mm -hmm. with this. That is a a pretty risky bet if you're going to hand him uh, any kind of money, really. Uh, I remember two years ago when he was the talk of the first couple months of the season, and it feels like from there just kind of really fell off. So... Uh, would be kind of a wild card there. All right, should we go through first baseman real quick? Yeah, real quick. Um, I actually because look, this also again we we're yeah. assuming that we're getting the starter back. And yes, of course, in Ryan Zimmerman. So this is gonna be strictly backup and filler. And and Matt Adams is still very much on the table. Exactly. Looking at this list, I don't know if how many guys. It might be two or three that are even an upgrade over Matt Adams at this point, considering they know what they have in Matt Adams. Right. Uh, the first starter caliber guy on this list uh, is Eric Thames. He's 33 years old. Of course, he is absolutely jacked. Uh, <laughs> if you haven't seen him or his father is absolutely jacked as well. Uh, 2019 with Milwaukee hit 247 uh, in, with 25 homers, 63 RBIs. He hit a home run against the Nats, I believe, in the wild card game as mm-hmm. well. Uh, he played 12 games in right field just out of necessity, so mostly a first baseman. Uh, does not have quite as much power as I would expect for somebody with 
uh, I don't know, 400 pounds of muscle. But uh, <laughs> Man, you're really going on in his physique. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen him? He's massive. Yeah. Thames also sounds like, you know, like an ancient Greek, like, warrior name. Yeah. Like, what got for Thames? <laughs> like, yeah, he's a Troy. No, but here's what you're trying to replace. You're trying to replace 18 home runs, 20 home runs um, from, from Matt Adams. Replace meaning Matt Adams doesn't come back. And, and I think Thames can definitely do that. You know, yeah. you're not looking for average or versatility like we were just talking about uh, for second base. You're looking for power that can come off the bench in a spot, pinch hint, or play first base defensively at a quality level uh, when needed, when Ryan Zimmerman needs a day off. Uh, I think that definitely fits the bill. Only 33, that's basically, I mean, I think Adams is 31. Yeah. So that's around the same age group. For a first baseman, for you're not first baseman, too worried about that. Mobile. Um, and, and again, just looking strictly for that power, probably coming off the bench, um, and in spot starts here and there. So that definitely hits. I, he hits the check marks for me. Mitch Moreland, thirty-four years old, one-time All-Star with Boston, hit two fifty-two, nineteen homers, fifty-eight RBIs. Another guy that pretty much just about in the same mold as Matt Adams. And I think when we talk about guys that are, you know, just just a about the same player as, as Matt Adams, I think Ty goes to Matt Adams yeah, in yeah, most yeah. cases. Yeah, yeah, Because they already know what they have in him. They know that he can succeed there. Yeah, and we're also not sure, like, I'm sure Mike Rizzo's sure or knows what the kind of price range Matt Adams is looking yeah. for. These guys might be looking for a little more. You can probably get Adams on, like, a $1 million, $2 million type deal. Yeah, exactly. These guys are probably looking for a little more. Neil Walker, 34 years old. He's a switch hitter. Um, he signed with uh, the Marlins, I believe, in 2019. Hit 261 with eight homers. Bounced back after a terrible 2018 season, which he hit 219. So uh, a, a big question mark there. And if you're looking for somebody to potentially fill in a lot of gaps for Ryan Zimmerman, I think you'd want more of an exclamation point than a, or at least a period than a question mark. Yeah, definitely. And and we, I think we kind of know what Neil Walker from his time when he was in New York and um, coming off a bad 2019 Miami. We just talked about how Wilmore Flores. No, not Wilmore Flores. Um, uh, yeah. With, oh, Wilmore Flores. No, the he was the uh, Ben. No, who just was with the with the Marlins in the second base? Flores oh. with the Diamondbacks. We just talked about this. Um. Starlin Castro. There we go. Uh, he just had a really good season at second base, you know, getting a new start. Neil Walker having terrible Miami doesn't really do anything for me. Next guy, Justin Smoke. This guy's interesting um, because of his durability. Uh, I, I noticed he's had played 125-plus games each of the last five seasons and has 20-plus homers in each of the last three. That is almost ideal yeah. for this kind of position because you're getting that 20-homer range and then you're also being that durability. You know, and if – because if Ryan Zimmerman goes down long term, then you're playing long term, and he's a switch hitter. That helps us. That's a plus as well. So only 32. This kind of he also kind of fits the mold for me as well. That 208 average would scare me just a little bit, though. Definitely, but again, we're not really looking for that. You know, yeah. I mean, what did also, Adam that was also what? one of the worst of his career, I believe, for, in, a, in a while. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, he's not an average hitter. He's more definitely power, yeah. and that's what you're looking for. Especially if he becomes the everyday first baseman. Yes, terrifying. Yeah. But coming off the bench, if you're coming off the bench hitting 20-plus homers in you know, 80-something games, totally fine. Yeah, and of course, this is a position that they should look for long-term, but I don't think they're going to sign any long-term first base 
uh, pieces in this offseason. I think they've done a really good job of platooning at first base. They can probably get away with that for another yeah. year, maybe two, before needing to find a long-term solution. Last guy, Logan Forsythe, 32 years old. Bobby, tell me about him. Uh, journeyman, man, he's played for so many teams in he's just a short amount of time. Nine-year career playing with the Padres, Rays, Dodgers, Twins, Rangers. Um, only seven home runs, 39 uh, RBIs, and in, in, in a 227 average. In 101 games, that's a little more of a sample size than you would like to see those numbers. Yeah. He's over 100 games and only hitting, hitting 227 with seven bombs. Um, and struck out basically a third of the time this past season. That's not what you're looking for at all. You don't want a guy coming off the bench just to strike out. Um, you would probably rather a little more consistency from him. 227 is definitely better than 208 from Smoke, but um, and, and the fact that he's jumped around so much in his career shows me that, I mean, I guess that means teams find value in him for a season, which maybe we're looking for here, but um, I, I might be a pass for me. Yeah, I think big picture looking at these options for both second base and first base, I think one big takeaway I have is there aren't too many options better than the guys that they had in-house in 2019 correct uh between brian dozier and matt adams forsyth has also played second and third base so that helps as well that's a plus give him like two points yeah for that. um but of course you know if if an anthony rendon walks that might change things and it might change their calculus we said it every week this conversation changes based on which dominoes fall in the coming days coming weeks even um but uh yeah so it all depends on where other teams land. Needs change based on free agent signing, trade, stuff like that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to follow. Of course, you can follow us all next week at the Winter Meetings. We'll be in San Diego. We'll be doing live shows starting Monday, uh, also going Tuesday and Wednesday into the Rule 5 Draft on Thursday as well. Um, we'll be covering that. We land Saturday, so we'll be doing some social media coverage from um, Saturday and Sunday from the Winter Meetings in San Diego. So that'll be a lot of fun. Follow Mass and All Access, Mass and Nationals on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as well, at Bobby underscore Blanco, at Paul Mancano. Um, you can... Um, Follow us for all all the coverage from San Diego. And also follow the Mass on All Access podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. We have split the streams. You can follow the Mass on All Access podcast nationals. Um, so just for all your Nats content, so you're getting that. No more Orioles content if you don't want it. So give that follow across all the platforms. And we thank you for tuning in today. And hopefully you tune in next week from the winter meetings. We'll catch you then.